0: Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Slayer podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to talk about the murder of 69 year old Kenneth Nix from Oklahoma. Well, the murder took place in Oklahoma. I'm going to refer to our victim as Ken and his eldest son as Kenneth. So, full transparency. Ken Nix was actually married to my Aunt Teresa, and they had a son together, which is my cousin. I remember when Ken was killed because my mom and dad were like, Oh my God, Ken was killed. Check the news. Since Ken's death and the trial, I heard a lot of stuff through the grapevine about him. And I wasn't going to talk about him on the podcast because I have a really weird dynamic with my family, and I think it would probably annoy them. But I watched the Snapped Oxygen episode covering the case, and it's extremely one-sided. So I just kind of want to, I just want to talk about it. I just want to talk about it. So let's just jump in. It was March 21st of 2016 when 911 got a phone call a little after 9 p.m. from a woman named Judith Nix. I'm going to call her Judy. So Judy said that she stopped by Ken's home to bring him dinner, but actually found him dead in his bed with a gun. Dispatchers asked if Ken was suicidal and Judy said yes. According to her, Ken was and he was in a great deal of physical pain and he'd even talked about shooting himself to escape the pain. Apparently, Ken had a physical neuropathy. Judy greeted first responders when they got to his home after her 911 call and directed them to his master bedroom. Ken Nix was in fact deceased in bed with a gunshot wound to the head and a gun under his hand. Judy cried to police and said she knew something like this was going to happen. She said that he would talked about killing himself before because of his chronic pain. And when they asked Judy the last time she'd been at Ken's house, she said that she was there the night before between the hours of 4 and 5 p.m she left because Ken was in a really grumpy mood. Judy added that she tried to call Ken several times that day, but he wasn't answering. So she thought she'd go ahead and bring him food unannounced at 9 p.m. Who delivers their ex-husband dinner? And who waits to drop dinner off at 9 p.m., especially from somebody who was in a bad mood and won't answer your phone calls? Anyway. Judy said that when she didn't see Ken, she walked back to his bedroom, and that is where she found him dead with the gun, and then she immediately called 911. Police said Judy then began to look really unwell and started complaining of chest pains. The EMS examined her and advised her to go to the hospital, but before she left, police asked her if there was anyone they could call for her, and she said yes to call her daughter Shelly so that Shelly could pick up her dog, and they said okay, and they called Shelly. Meanwhile, detectives begin their investigation. To the naked eye, it did in fact look like Ken died of a suicide. But after an examination, it was determined that he died at about 7.30 that morning. And upon further examination, the ME found Ken had two bullets in his head. Funny thing about suicide is um, you can actually only shoot yourself one time. Um, in the head. So this went from suicide to homicide very quickly. Plus the body had clearly been moved after the gunshot because the blood splatter wasn't in alignment with the gunshot wound. So basically Ken's shirt was bunched up a certain way when he'd been shot and then whomever shot Ken moved his body and this shifted the blood splatter pattern on his shirt so it didn't align. Clearly a homicide. According to the Snapped episode, Ken Nix was born in Louisiana, but his daughter Kim said that this was incorrect and that her dad, Ken, was actually born in Kansas. He was the oldest of six kids and always had a fascination with cars and motorcycles. After high school, he went straight to a mechanic tech school and then opened up his own service station. According to one of his sons, Ken was the youngest service station owner in the state of Louisiana. So I don't know... If he was born in Louisiana or if he was born in Kansas, but regardless, it sounds like he ended up in Louisiana, either like in high school, straight out of high school, in his childhood. I don't know. Then in his early 20s, Ken met a woman named Monita that he fell in love with. According to a Facebook post Ken's daughter Kim made addressing what had been left out of her father's case in the Snapped episode, Ken and Monita met in California, and then they moved to Louisiana because Ken had too many speeding tickets and lost his California driver's license. Okay, so that explains Louisiana, right? Regardless of however we got there, the couple got married in 1966, and they had their first child together in February of 1967. They had a son, and that is the son that they named after Ken that I'm going to refer to as Kenneth. The next year, they had a daughter that they named Kimberly, and Kimberly has a different account of everything than Kenneth does. And then the following year, the family moved to Tulsa. Following the move, Ken and Monita had a third child, a son that they named Keith. Uh, not long after that, though, Ken and Monita decided to get divorced. Kenneth says he's not quite sure why his parents divorced, and that the reason they moved from Louisiana to Tulsa, Oklahoma, is so that they could be closer to their grandma which I believe was Ken's mother. According to the daughter, Kim, though, after she was born, her family had to move and they had to move really quickly because of something Ken did to a relative. But I don't know what he did. She didn't elaborate on that. She just wrote that the reason her parents separated was because her dad was abusive and cheated on her mom with a stripper named Sandra. Regardless, the couple separated and were divorced in 1973. Kim said that her dad went on to marry the alleged stripper Sandra, who he supposedly had the affair with, in May of 1974. And according to her, her father was actually really abusive to Sandra. He even broke her arm once. Meanwhile, August 29th, 1974, Ken Nix called and told police that his ex-wife, Monita, had called him and told him that she was going to kill herself. So he rushed over to her apartment and sure enough, she'd shot herself in the head while her children were home. Her oldest son, Kenneth, was seven. Kim was six and Keith must have been around, uh, I'm going to guess, three or four. In the Oxygen documentary, the son, Kenneth, is a main interviewer that they use, and he 100% believes his mom committed suicide. But the daughter, Kim, who wasn't included in the Snapped episode, she thinks that her dad murdered Monita, her mother, and she said her dad was an asshole. According to her, Ken actually lied and told her mom's sister, who still lived in California when Monita died, Ken told them that Monita had been in a really bad car wreck and was in the hospital, so they needed to rush to Oklahoma to come see her. And the morning that they flew in, they were shocked to find out that Monita had actually died by suicide, and the funeral was that same day. If this is true, it sounds like he's kind of an asshole. At the time of her mother's death, Kim was only six. So I don't think that she thought her dad was responsible at the time. I think what happened was Kim watched her dad's treatment towards women as she got older and she became suspicious. Then when Kim got older, she looked into the details surrounding her mother's murder. And it does seem possible that Kim could have been culpable of murdering Monita. Here are some things Kim said she found out that seemed suspicious to her. So she said that Kim actually had a lot of friends on the police force and had actually gone to the police academy in Tulsa. This is a fact that Kim said she didn't know until she was like 39. And then Kim goes on to say that on her mom's death certificate, it says Monita died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. But if you look further down, there's no official autopsy or examination done. And the paperwork actually has Ken Nix listed as the police's, quote, source of information, end quote. Kim said that her dad was arrested, though, in regards to her mom's death. But the charges were ultimately dropped against him and nothing ever happened. Kim says she's not the only one who thinks that her dad got away with murdering her mother. She states that her dad's half-brothers think he killed her mom as well as Ken's own mother and friends of Ken and Monita think that he's responsible for her death as well. So the next major event in Ken's life is when his second wife Sandra divorced him in 1975. Very shortly after January 23rd of 1976, Ken gets remarried to Robin Adele. And this was a really short marriage as well. The couple divorced in either 77 or 78. Um, Kim said during the time that her dad and Robin were married, they were exposed to a lot of violence in the home. So I'm guessing that they fought a lot. And that's probably what led to the short marriage and quick divorce. After that, Ken met and married my Aunt Teresa. So I think this was in 1979 and my Aunt Teresa gave birth to a son, Justin, in October of 1980 and according to Kim, Teresa and Ken remarried and divorced a second time. Uh, Sometimes you just got to do a wraparound. Just make sure it was the right and wrong decision. I myself do not have any specific stories about Kim during the time he was married to my aunt other than I've heard a million times that he was an asshole. I don't speak ill of the dead. These are just things that I've heard about him when he was alive. Um, Anytime that he was mentioned, you know, everyone just seemed to kind of had a bad taste in their mouth. Now, granted, come on, it's my mom's sister. So like, is she really going to have anything that great to say? According to Kim, though... It was a really volatile relationship and Ken even broke my aunt's nose twice. So the final divorce between my aunt Teresa and Ken Nix was December of 1984 and Ken points out that her dad married his final wife Judith, who we're calling Judy, 44 days after his divorce from my aunt Teresa, February 1st of 1985 and was likely cheating on my aunt Teresa with Judy. Ken met Judy when he picked his daughter Kim up from a sleepover. Judy was a divorced mom of two and it was one of her daughters that was friends with Kim. Judy and Ken were immediately attracted to each other when they met. From what I've learned about Judy, she was born and raised in Texas. She'd been married once before, but her husband became a drunk and a liar and a cheat. So she left him. She wasn't looking for a relationship when she met Ken. It just sort of happened. She was a pretty quiet person, kept to herself, and it doesn't sound like she was a serial dater and marrier like Ken was. However, Ken really liked Judy and he pulled out all the stops. So Ken's son Keith said that his dad and Judy got along really well, like he never heard them fight, quote, like other moms he had before Judy, end quote. Side note, I thought it was really weird that he said other moms he had before I don't know it was just an odd thing that he said so anyway Ken and Judy are described to be compatible Judy moved in with Ken and his kids Kenneth Kim and Keith his youngest son Justin stayed with my aunt Teresa and Judy's two daughters actually chose to live with their dad I think it was because they didn't want to change school districts so it wasn't anything weird they just wanted to stay where they were at in school so despite Ken's complicated love life he was a really good businessman In 1980, he'd opened up a diver business called Inland Divers, and it was a commercial diving business that could literally fetch, like, anything from under the water, from little things all the way down to, like, boulders, heavy things. And once Judy and Ken got married, she helped him with this business, and together they grew it. It became really successful. According to Ken's sons, the different parenting styles Judy and Ken had became their major issue, though. Keith and Kenneth said in their interviews with Oxygen that Judy coddled her kids financially and Ken did not and he did not like this so this created a wedge between Judy and Ken to where they had trouble communicating so in 2011 they get divorced after they'd been married for 26 years that is a record for Ken none of his other marriages were that long probably combined they weren't even that long So Judy and Ken still spent a lot of time together after they got divorced. Uh, They'd have family dinners. Sometimes she'd stay the night over at Ken's house. It wasn't like a clean break. Uh, It sounds like it was a little complicated. So like I said, after they examined Ken's body, it became obvious that this was a homicide, not a suicide. So CSI began searching the house. Uh, There was no sign of an intruder in the home. So whoever did this obviously knew Ken had their own way in or Ken let them into the house. Investigators did seize a security camera that was in the kitchen. And something else caught their attention while they were in there. When Judy's daughter Sherry came to get Judy's dog, they asked her about her whereabouts, you know. And she actually said she'd been at Ken's house earlier that morning with her mom. Ugh. But remember, Judy told police that she'd been at Ken's the night before and hadn't been back since between the hours of four and five. So police asked Shelly to go to the police department and make a statement. Shelley agrees. During the interview, Shelley made it clear that her and her sister did not like Ken and that he was physically aggressive and abusive. When police asked for a play-by-play of her day, Shelley said that at 11 a.m. she went to Ken's to grab something from her mom. Shelly's adamant that she did not go inside. She met her mom at the front door. So, alarm bells are going off to police because Judy obviously lied about being at Ken's house and clearly would have known Ken was dead. Remember, his time of death was ruled at 7 30 a.m. that morning. So, if she was there at 11, Judy would have known he was dead. Police felt like maybe Shelly knew more than she admitted, so they arrested her as an accessory to murder. The idea behind doing this was really just to put more pressure on Judy and Shelly to tell the truth. And then Judy's ex-son-in-law Todd called the police station and he left a tip for police. Todd used to be married to Judy's daughter, Angela, and he said at noon that day, Ken died. His ex-wife and Shelly came to see him and they told him that their mom shot Ken and they were coming to him for help to come up with a plan for how they could help their mom get away with murder. Todd told the women that they should turn her in instead of covering it up. This made Angela and Shelly mad, so they just left. And Todd called and told police what happened. Next, police checked the security camera that they had found over in the kitchen at Ken's house, but they were unable to recover any footage, which was kind of weird. So when Shelly was arrested, Judy was still in the hospital because remember, she told paramedics and everyone that she had chest pains. And while she was at the hospital, Judy asked to speak to police. Judy told the police that Ken was abusive, verbally, emotionally, and physically. Judy said in the argument that her and Ken had was because Ken kept saying Judy owed him money. And the money that Judy owed him was actually money Ken had spent on her children over the years. So according to Judy, Ken wanted close to $20,000 from her. Judy says the morning of the murder, Ken confronted her at gunpoint and said if she didn't pay him, he would kill her and hide her body. Judy said that she lunged for the gun and the two began to struggle for it. The gun went off two times during the struggle and that is how Ken was shot accidentally. But you guys, here's the deal. The forensics do not match with that story. There was no struggle when Ken was shot. The forensics actually align with the theory that Ken was dead asleep when he was shot. So next police bring in Angela for questioning and Angela says she knows nothing about Ken's murder. Angela admitted that she was at the house, but she says that she didn't go into the bedroom and she didn't help do anything. So police lie and say that they actually have footage of her on the security camera. Angela tensed up, shut down and asked for a lawyer, which sucked for investigators because they didn't actually have any surveillance footage. Next, police did a deep dive into the relationship between Judy and Ken since Judy claimed Ken was abusive. During the investigation, they found in the last few years of their marriage, several domestic 911 calls were made from both Ken and Judy. However, nobody ever pressed charges or were arrested. But luckily, police got what they needed when they checked Judy, Angela, and Shelly's phone records. In the weeks and days leading up to the murder, Judy would text her daughters how much she hated Ken. Then around March 15th, Judy and Angela texted about getting a gun. This is less than a week before the murder, you guys. Police asked Ken's sons about their parents' relationship and issues over money, and they spilled the tea. Kenneth and Keith had no problem saying what they thought. The boys flat out said Judy stole from Ken. She stole money from their dad to give to her kids, and they said that Judy also stole Kin's pain medication. And that was why he had a security camera in the kitchen. That way he could catch her when she was getting into the medicine cabinet to steal his pain pills. So then police look into Judy's financial situation. And it was apparent Judy was broke as a joke following the divorce. Which is why she literally went to Ken's house and stole from him. She would steal money and pills apparently. So how would it benefit Judy if Ken died? Well... Judy still had survivorship benefits on Ken's house so some think that she killed Ken so that she could have his house sell it and pay off her debt and then just kind of like you know go on with her life. They did charge Judy with first degree murder and she went to trial March of 2017. Judy's defense was battered women's defense. She was an abused woman who was held up at gunpoint and shot Ken in a struggle for the gun. The jury deliberated for two hours before finding her guilty and sentencing her to life in prison. Ken's son, Kenneth, says in an interview that his dad was a really good guy who raised three wonderful adults. I find it really strange that the siblings that were used in the oxygen interviews, they only mention Ken's three children. They don't mention my cousin at all. I I don't know why, but I just think it's kind of weird. So, however, Ken's daughter, Kimberly, is adamant that her father is, in fact, an asshole. And she says he was, quote, a narcissist who was controlling and abusive, end quote. However, she does agree Judy should be held responsible for her actions, but so should Shelly. Kim also said that the documentary left out Ken having an affair with his son, Justin's wife, Sasha, And she said that Sasha was having sex with Ken in exchange for his prescription pain medication. Wow. Wow. What a wild ride. This story is so crazy to me. So according to Ken's sons, Kenneth and Keith, on the snapped episode, their dad was a saint. Kimberly though maintains that her father Ken was no saint and she said he was a quote narcissist that was controlling and abusive end quote and she said he even threatened to kill her and hide her body he was a threatening and intimidating person and she plans to write a book I don't know if it's going to be about her life and the circumstances involving her mother and father but I'm assuming it's going to be up that alley right um, I hope she does write this book and I cannot wait to read it if she does. Um, I wanted to talk about this case because I just don't think Snap presented the uh, full story. The bottom line is many people genuinely believe that Ken was an abusive spouse and didn't want Judy's actions to diminish the actual abuse that Ken inflicted on people, including Judy. However, even if that is the case, Judy had no grounds to shoot him while he was sleeping. Had she actually shot him in self-defense, this would be a totally different story and people would care about that angle, right? But uh, Judy didn't even live with him anymore and her and her daughters came up with a plan to murder him for financial gain. So maybe she thought he owed it to her after everything they'd been through. I don't know. I do find it kind of ironic though that Ken is believed to have murdered his first wife in a staged suicide and yet that is how he was ultimately murdered. I could have asked people close to me more questions, um, but I didn't want to pry. And like I said, my family tree is very complicated, way more complicated than this. So, all right. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you found it as interesting as I did to know that Snapped only put out half of the story, right? Like one person's version. So uh, anyway, thanks so much for tuning in and I will talk to you next week. Bye.